0: Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. Okay, thank you for tuning in for American Vet Podcast episode two. I am sitting here with Steve. He's from Tennessee. He did eight years as an army med uh medic and he's done a, a tour to Afghan. Um Steve, how you doing?
1: Another day in paradise, man.
0: You're from Tennessee?
1: It's uh it's cold.
0: <laughs> not my kind of paradise, but
1: <laughs> it's uh you know, it's someone's paradise, it's not mine.
0: Okay. All right, so uh, all right, so what years were you in? What years did you join the army?
1: Oh Jesus, um, I did uh, what's called delayed enlistment. So while I was still in high school, I enlisted in like, uh, like November, December of 2008, and then um, for each month that I uh, before basic training, I uh, was given an extra grant on top of my already bonus. Man, remember bonuses? No, oh, I did, man. uh... They did away with them. Yeah, I was in the Marine um, Corps. They didn't, they didn't pay me. Oh, man. Dude, that dude, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, uh... So I went to basic, uh, June of 2009.
0: Oh, okay. So you you went in, uh... So I did uh, four years in the Marines. I did 05 to 09. So I was in boot camp when you were getting in, going into... You went to, uh... Was it Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri?
1: Oh, no. No. F that. No, I, uh... I got to go to an even better base, uh, Fort Sill in Oklahoma.
0: Okay. So you guys so, kind of have like a, a, a geographical line split, kind of like the Marine Corps does. If you're, you know, Western USA, you go to San Diego. And if you're Eastern USA, you go to Paris Island.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there's, oh man, uh, some people go to Linerwood, but I, I did, I did go to Fort Sill. And let me tell you right now, Fort Sill is the seventh circle of hell. Like, it is a place where the wind is always blowing in your face. Even if you're, like, running in a circle, you would think the wind would change direction. No, not in Fort, Hill. It was terrible.
0: I was a motor transport operator, and my MOS training was in Fort Leonardwood, and I get to watch all these uh, so-called recruits walk around with their cell phones and everything else on Sunday.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, no, we didn't didn't get that. Not for...
0: Okay, so it's not an Army-wide thing.
1: Not until near the end.
0: All right, so now did you go in signed up as a medic, or was that kind of like you got in, you tried something, you changed it out, or are you allowed to do that or no? Oh no,
1: no, uh, I went straight in as a medic uh initially i was gonna i was gonna join the Air Force because, duh yeah. it's easy you know get <laughs> you you get to do whatever you want uh within reason, but it is way easier, but I was gonna do the air force uh but as it turns out, when you enlist in the air Force you don't really get to choose what your job's going to be. I don't know if they've changed it since then, but usually it's kind of the needs of, you know, where, where you fall. So it's kind of luck of the draw with the Air Force. And I was like, Uh, fuck that. No, no, no. I want to make sure that I'm not like bottom of the barrel. Uh, right. So yeah, I went in as a medic. And then so after Fort Sill, I went to, uh, you know, my specialized training, which was um, in Texas, um, Fort Sam Houston, which is now a, um a multi, multi-force base, I guess would be the terminology. So okay. we have, uh, Navy, Air Force runs it now. So they now took over that base, and now it's Air Force, Navy, and, um and Army as well.
0: Well, let's find out Air Force took it over. They got the better chow halls anyways. They have the better everything. <laughs> yeah, even their girls look like women.
1: Yeah, unlike, unlike ours.
0: Um, Have you ever seen a Marine girl?
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't know the difference between a Marine woman and and, and a dude. They all look the same. They're all beefy and scare me.
0: Yeah, you're like, hello, what's your name? (laughs) My name is Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Carry on. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) Okay, um, where were you stationed uh, when you got in and, uh, you know, throughout your service?
1: Before before I tell you where I went, where where did you go? Where was your first base?
0: So I did two years in Okinawa, Japan.
1: Oh, uh, Okay, so you beat me. Uh, I I went to Hawaii. So I was at uh, Schofield in Hawaii.
0: Nice. And then I uh, now is that a two year term over there, or is that uh, I don't so like in the Marine Corps when you get orders to like Okinawa, Japan, if you're not a married Marine. You get two years, but if you're married, you get automatic three. Is it the same for Hawaii for you guys?
1: Uh, no, ours, ours are three, technically. Okay. Um, you get usually your your um your first duty station or even your second is three, um, and then in the the third year, you will usually get your orders to where you're gonna go, and so like the last few months of whatever uh, base you're at is either getting to choose where you go to next. Sometimes you do get to choose. So when you're uh, Oconus, um, you get to choose wherever you want to go, um, and usually kind of get a "quote unquote" wish list. And if they, if you're able to reach your branch manager there, uh, they can usually hook it up uh, depending on which base you want to go to. So after Hawaii, I wanted to move back where my family was at the time, which was um, in North Carolina. So I ended up going to Fort Bragg. North Carolina afterwards.
0: Okay, yeah, I uh after my 2 years in Okinawa, I ended up going to Camp Leonardwood. Not purpose? Camp Lan- not Leonardwood. Oh, wow. Camp Lejeune, <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> oh man, small world.
0: And then I became fifth award expert with iron sights, so they made me a marksmanship coach, so I picked up the second MOS.
1: Hey, there you go. Man, that's dope. I was about to say like I got to go to um Lejeune once and uh, got to shoot on y'all's uh, ranges, which I don't know if you've seen an army range. They're a little smaller than y'all's.
0: Yeah, you guys only go out to what three hundred yards, right? Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice
1: compared to y'all's, which is what five six hundred.
0: Five hundred yards. When I got out, it was still five hundred yards. Um, I was actually the last kind of relay, I guess you can call it, to go through without having to the, the qualify with egg cogs which is phenomenal because cogs are junk.
1: That doesn't count. <laughs> you can't use a iron sight, man. That's the only way to learn.
0: That's right. And that's where I was because um, my shooters on the line, I would tell them any any adjustments, you have to smack that cog to set the sights. And they would always tell me, like, oh, you're joking. I'm like, fine. Go ahead, shoot three rounds. <laughs> Do your adjustments. Shoot three rounds again. <laughs> but uh, so the way we run... <laughs> Rifle call, this is kind of funny, it just popped in my head. The way we run rifle qual is, uh, Monday, Tuesday is practice for the, the two, three hundred, the 200 yard line, 300 yard line, 500. Wednesday is your qual day for the two, three, and 500. And then Thursday is your field practice. Friday is your field qual. Um, so as a marksmanship coach, I'm on the line with all my shooters all day long at every yard line and everything, moving all the way back. But on qualifying day, I am not allowed to be up there. Um, I can't tell my shooters anything; if they're on their own. So one day, I, I witnessed this female marine uh, get on the firing line, load her magazine upside down, with the rounds pointed at herself. Amazing. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, you're done." So the <laughs> RSO, RSO came over, looked at her, looked at me, looked back at her, took his took her rifle and said, "Bye." <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are a no go at this
0: range. Yep. And then I, I had a uh, second lieutenant on the fire line. So the way they call it so as as people shoot when they're done, you know, the you know, the guy in the tower or whatever will say something like, uh, shooters on a fire line, you know, seize fire. And then he'll wait a moment or two and then he'll say, uh, you know, unload show clear and then he'll look down the range you know, either high numbers or low numbers, and look at all of us, uh, Martianship coach, and we'll put our hands up saying, you know, my group of, you know, 10 to 15 guys, are all clear, The rifles are empty, they're good to go, they can get off the line. Right. So, after the tower calls, cease fire, unload, show clear, I'm walking up the line, and that day I 12 guys on a line at once. And I think I was within, like, on shooter number six or seven, clearing their rifles all the way down. And a second lieutenant fired around off into the grass.
1: Oh, God. Did you choke him with his own rifle?
0: No. So he's now, mind you, we're, I think we're at the 300-yard line, and we're sitting. And some of my shooters will, you know, with the sling, they'll either put their arm, wrap it around the sling. They'll take the sling off the butt of their rifle. They'll actually wrap it around their arm and singe it up like a tourniquet on their arm. And everything else for when you're down in the sitting and the kneeling shooting positions to get a oh, better, yeah, yeah. you know, so he was one of the ones that took the sling off the butt of his rifle to put it around his arm and singe it up like a tourniquet. As he was undoing that, he sent the round down the range and he looks up at me and he goes, coach, am I done? I was like, y- you're more than done, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're more than done. <laughs> you're going to have to go back to college. <laughs> Oh, god. Go play some uh, Call of Duty. Butter Bar? Butter bar yep. Yeah, oh, cause they're- Oh, god, that's adorable. Cause the golden, stupid little second lieutenant.
1: Dude, they're just, they're
0: just privates with rank. Yeah. And, uh- Well, I, I guess for you
1: guys would be what,
0: grunts with rank? They're just butterballs. We don't really- <laughs> 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 They don't really have anything. <laughs> oh, man. God, like- Yeah.
1: Like the first time I re- I met a second lieutenant was, uh, was, was in, in my AIT and like they like walked past me and like saluted and just kept walking. And, but I did it kind of as like, uh, whatever sir, I'm just trying to get to lunch. And he like, like stopped me he was like, do, do you know who I am? I was like, no, I don't. I'm hungry. He's like, <laughs> and then like this, this like, uh, E6 came over and he was like, hey lieutenant, don't you have somewhere to be? He's like, oh yeah, Roger. And he just like went off and I was like,
0: yep, see that's real rank. Yeah. you. Like, there you go.
1: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta know where you belong, man.
0: Yeah, I kind of would have told him like, no, I don't know who you are. I'm not saluting you as a person. I'm saluting your rank. Bye. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Marine Corps, I, I don't know. The army, I'm assuming, is somewhat the same. So you're in, indoors. You don't wear your hat or cover and you don't salute or nothing like that.
1: Unless, uh, under arms or, uh, at like a, like a board other than that. now.
0: Okay. So me and my buddy were character witnesses for another Marine that beat another Marine almost, you know, an inch of that guy's life. So we were character witnesses on the guy getting NJP'd and whatnot. And uh, so we're indoors, and my buddy walks in. He walks right up to, you know, whoever. I forgot who was there. I think it was a colonel at the time. Walks right up to him, stands tall, brings his arm halfway up to salute. Now, in the Marine Corps, you don't salute indoors, and you don't salute when you don't have a cover. So he's fucked up twice already, because he, he was nervous, and so he got about halfway up, and he all of a sudden out in the hallway I can hear it. All you can hear is ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how he that's how he met the colonel. He walked oh, right out man. there and was like, ah, oh, fuck.
1: A swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Why the Army and not anything else? Like, I know you said you wanted to go in the Air Force, and they were going to say, hey, you know, depending on how smart you are, we'll put you where we need you. How come you didn't go into the Navy or, or anything like that? Uh, The, the Navy was
1: pretty easy. So, um, oddly enough, my dad was in the Marines. Uh, He was in the Marines before uh, and then got out uh, when he met my mom. And then when I was born, he, he eventually did get out and switched over to the Army. Um. So, Marines was definitely on the table, and I had thought about it. Uh, yeah. But when I met with I met with the Navy, and uh, basically, if you went into the Navy, you went to Marine boot camp. You don't. Uh, there's not a separate boot camp. Everybody goes together. And I thought about it because you could go in as a corpsman, which is yeah. uh, essentially the same. Yeah. As a as a medic.
0: Yeah, and you end up getting what's known as uh, your fleet marine. You're a fleet marine. so you do all the training with the Marine Corps and everything else, but you're you're actually getting paid by the Navy. Yep.
1: So uh both of those were basically it, it was one of the two.
0: But then uh, it, it I think
1: it's kinda boiled down to a bonus, uh, to be honest. Uh that sounds oh, yeah. sounds kinda shitty, but uh at the time I was like, you know, fuck it. I wanna I want money and the army was offering the most and so I was like, Well, it's basically the same job go with the army because it's more money but had the marines offered me more i probably would have gone with them so it wasn't like a a bias or uh, or anything like that it was uh who's going to give me the most money in the shortest amount of time yeah i don't blame you the only uh my only regret uh for not for not doing that is that uh when you're in the army uh, so when i went to fort bragg i ended up uh going to jump school right so i do have my wings the downside is that in the Marines, when you go to jump school, you get gold wings, <laughs> and so my dad would all, will always hold that over my head, is that his are, his are gold and mine are silver. So sig- signaling once again that uh, the Marines are better uh, than, than the Army. So
0: yeah, I got uh, my grandfather. He's a Vietnam vet, and uh, he's an Army. He was a, a diesel mechanic. Pick. Tank mechanic and everything else, and so we get, we go back and forth all the time. At the end of the day, I'm like, ah, you did the NOM thing? <laughs> I, uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of no got, got me there? Card, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, what, what was uh, Did, did, did were, were you in Vietnam? No? No?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, my dad did, uh, oh, Jesus, like, I think he did four, four deployments, uh, when, <laughs> when he was in the army, so. Compared to my one, and plus he was in the like um like the initial push into Iraq, um you know at the start of uh Iraqi freedom, yeah, and then and then enduring freedom. So uh and then he like just tells me like all the nightmares of like all the all the shit that you had to go through as as the first wave. You know you have no up armored vehicles. You have uh you know they didn't have internet or or phone set up. So um it, it was all letters. Um and then like once in a blue moon he would get to a base where you know they they had phone calls but they could only talk for you know 10 to 15 minutes at night and so we would get called at like 2 or 3 in the morning and have a few minutes to you know wake up and have a talk so compared to my deployment where you know we we had uh throwaway phones and we had wi-fi at all the main bases
0: yeah and you had rippets
1: Oh God, dude, rip it, man! <laughs>
0: if,
1: uh, if there's one thing that I missed. i mean you- I think you could still get Rippets at yeah, you, know, you like actually the
0: commissary, but it's not the same, yeah, so I'm in another podcast, it's uh me and you podcast, and second episode we did uh an interview with a Filipino that kinda that came over and and uh did some time as a army and got his you know citizenship and everything else, but I was talking about Rippets there, and somebody in my area listened to the show and Three days later, I had to rip it at my door. I was like, Are "You kidding me?" He's like, "Yeah, you can. He's like, you can get them at Dollar General." Oh my god! I was Dude, like, "That's amazing." I'm like, "I'm afraid to go into Dollar General."
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh god. Like, okay. So, I think my yeah mixed berry. I think was the flavor. The little orange cans.
0: That was my go-to. Yeah. I like the blue one. Every time. <laughs> Um they also had um did you guys have boom booms no i don't know i never actually- de- i didn't deploy
1: uh, okay we had um uh there were these oh no I'm thinking of wild tiger so there's this uh i don't know where it comes from comes from or who makes it, but there is a there's an energy drink i i wanna say it's called wild tiger and it's it's got caffeine and nicotine in it at the same time
0: outstanding so
1: uh yeah. <laughs> That was not addicting at all,
0: yeah, why don't you just go do some blow?
1: <laughs> yeah, you might as well let' <laughs>
0: just just do that, and then, yeah, yeah, just
1: just do a bump real quick, and you won't sleep for days
0: so as a as an army medic, you had to do kind of quite a bit of training for that, or not 15 weeks, yeah, okay, and then now you're you're practically a doctor,
1: uh, not
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so I have to say, in the strictest sense, no. Uh,
1: we get okay. our EMT license while in school, okay. um, and then that's just that's just school training. But then when you get to your your duty station, you train underneath a physician or physician as assistant, um, and then they will give you more and more training. And so when we um, perform interventions or um, hand out medications and stuff like that. We aren't acting under our own license. We are acting underneath the physician or physician's assistance license. So if we fuck up, it falls on them. And then in turn, uh, we get fucked up.
0: Right. So that's why every time, you know, somebody goes out to a medic or, or, or doc or anything like that and just, here, drink water and take some motrin.
1: Yeah, that's the, uh, that's, that's our default (laughs) answer. Um, yeah, but like when, when we're deployed, we're given much more freedom. Uh, than we are stateside um, because a lot of times you, you are the only uh, like dude or chick around that knows anything medically. Uh, so you will treat civilians. You uh, sometimes uh, animals as well. Um, dentist things uh, like dentistry, you know, we, a lot of things were taught once we get to duty stations and then we get taught more, on deployments, but yeah, a lot of times, like, especially when you're deployed, you have way more leeway to do a lot of things, uh, that you normally wouldn't do. Like we don't carry around like morphine and, uh, and painkillers and, and stuff like that stateside because what's the fucking point? You can just go to a hospital. Um, yeah, but yeah, over, overseas, it's a, it's a much different ball game and a lot of medics I know kind of miss that because when you become an EMT in, as a civilian, when uh, you come back after a deployment, you've You've been given so much freedom and you've been able to do so much that normally isn't, you know, under your, you're not allowed to do. And especially if you start doing, um, you start running with uh, like an emergency crew on a, like on a truck, like on an ambulance for civilians. um, You get all of that freedom taken away and you are only as good, you know, under the law, you are only as good as your licenses. And an EMT basic, uh, you are basically, you can administer oxygen and drive, and that is it. You can't do anything else, despite what you may know how to do or all the medic, like pharmacology knowledge you have, you only get to drive or administer O2. Um, If you want to do more, you need to go back to school and get a higher license or become a paramedic. And even at the paramedic level, you can only do so much before you need to become like a like an RN like a registered nurse or or higher. Um so it's kind of a it's it's kind of a shock to a lot of a lot of medics when you come back and they're like, "Hey, um yeah, uh stop doing all that cuz you're not allowed." So that kind of sucks. Other than that, like being a medic overseas is is one of the most freeing learning experiences any 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 person in the medical field that's in the military can have.
0: Okay, so you did, how long, you said three years in Hawaii? Yeah. And where was your other station? Where were you stationed?
1: And then, uh, Fort Bragg for three years. Uh, and then I transferred here to Tennessee, uh, and then that was basically two years until I got out, but it definitely, like the last year I was in was basically all doing, like, getting out of the military paperwork, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that was, like, basically just to, Get out and go to school.
0: Yeah. They, we called it what, SEPS? We get like the last three, four months of our contract. We got to go through all that training to be a civilian again, which really doesn't help because you get out and you still got to try to find a job and a decent career or something with all the camaraderie and everything else. And, and that's what gets a lot of guys hung up when they get out.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, I would say I was kind of, I was lucky. And I would I would argue I'm still very lucky because, um, you know, I have I have my family, uh, especially my dad, who got out of the military twice, Yeah. once for retirement. And then there was a break in service. So I would I'm definitely one of the lucky ones. But, yeah, I would say that getting out of the military, you know, they don't prepare you for anything, <laughs> to be honest. I would say that there is this mentality in the military or at least in the army, Uh, I don't know if it was the Marines too, but there was this mentality that, you know, if you, if you get out, you know, you're fucked. There's, there's nothing you can do. And, uh, you know, shit is so hard when you get out and and there's like no jobs and everything sucks and you don't have the same benefits and, and all this stuff to an extent. I would say that's true. I would say that getting out is, is hard and, Finding your place is also hard, but I would say if you, if you can get into a groove and you can kind of, kind of find the certain things, that especially finding, finding friends or family that have kind of done it and can help you through it, that's probably the best thing you can do. Doing it alone is, is so hard. Especially for somebody that's just like like just gone through the the preparation and all the paperwork just to get out of the military, and then you're kind of thrown into the wild and kind of like hey fend for yourself. That that can be really hard, um, not only physically but emotionally and and, and mentally. Because you know, it's like what what do you do?
0: I absolutely agree with you on that. I uh like I said my last two years when I was in I was in um, Camp Lejeune, at Jacksonville, North Carolina. I got out and I down there. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I don't really want to. I joined military to get away from the person I was before I got into the military. So I didn't want to come back up to the state of mass that I live in now. So I stayed in North Carolina, and what I found out is that everybody that gets out and stays out where they their last duty station is even it's tough. I lived down there for about a year. And then I ended up having, had about $65 left and bought a bus ticket and came back home with nothing. So I did four years in the Marines and did all this great stuff and I still ended up at home with nothing. But, I mean, now I got a house, a four-year-old and... Hey, there you go, man. (laughs) Still.
1: I mean, both of us have four-year-olds. So, small world, man.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Uh, I agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no,
0: it's, it's hard as fuck, man. Uh... So you've been yeah. out for how long now? Do what? How long have you been out for? I got out, I want to say April 2016.
1: Oh, okay. I
0: so think you've that's been out right. About three years, a little over three years then.
1: Technically. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> right. now, and you found How was it trying to get a job once you first got out that kind of lived up to the same standard that you were? when you're in the army and you're overseas as a medic and gave you the same height and the camaraderie how are you, have you have you found anything that added up to that yet or
1: <laughs> oh man uh good question <laughs>
0: um no uh
1: i would say i do not I'm trying to phrase this i don't miss the army i don't miss the military not at all uh all right the amount of bullshit that you have to go through on a day-to-day basis is something yeah. that I haven't had to deal with since I was enlisted and uh fuck that. Right. But like the people I knew and uh the families that I knew.
0: Right.
1: I, I don't think you'll ever find that because uh, it's it's kind of what you go through and uh it's it's kind of one of those things where you're you're just in the suck day after day, you know, going right. to the field, coming back, you know, long days. Uh, long nights it's it's rough, but you know you build a family and especially you know i don't i don't know if you know if if you guys have this, but I know for the medics, especially those on my deployment we it's it's hard being a medic because you you not only have to you know when you 're going out you have to carry all of your stuff and all the medical stuff so oh, yeah whatever the pack is that you have to bring, you have to bring that plus all your medical stuff. So, you know, you're lugging around a ton. And then not to mention, like when you get someplace and everybody's resting, you know, you, you have to go around, make sure everybody's okay, making sure people are drinking water, making sure that, you know, the injured are taken care of or, you you know, heaven forbid, you you know, you take fucking fire. So you have to address all of that in, in the heat of the moment, then get to cover and, and do what you need to do. For medics, we basically don't stop we kind of suppress all of that cuz you know you're doc you're you're kind of the rock man you're you're somebody's yep. dad or mom or or priest or whatever you you are you yep. are the go-to guy a lot of the times for everything so that builds a very very tight network especially among the medics cuz we're kind of you know behind closed doors only other medics are going to understand what you're going through cuz we not only have our own emotional And mental stuff to deal with, especially if something's going on back home. You know, you can't, you can't tell the guys cause I guess you could. And looking back on it, it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, only other medics are going to understand what you're going through or the baggage that you're carrying. And so when you get out, you don't have the same, like the same family that you do. Right. And to, to try and convey that, to try and find that camaraderie and that that bond uh, with civilians isn't impossible. And I do have some very good friends now that man, I, I would never give up, but right. getting out. Yeah. You're, you're not going to find that it, it sucks, but it's kind of, you know, for better or worse, you, you know, you wouldn't want to find that elsewhere because it's not the same. If, if right. that makes sense, it's not a, huh? I don't know. No, it's not. um. It's definitely not the same. And, and you're probably not going to find that in the civilian world, but, you can find something close, that's uh that's pretty fucking cool.
0: Yeah, so even know that your dad's uh a, a veteran himself, you really can't go to him too too much either. So you gotta have to have to, because he wasn't a medic, was he? Uh yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: he was. Uh he was Oh he was well,
0: sorry. He was a puncher shit.
1: Um he was a, a medic first and then um uh fister, so, you know doing all the like calling in fire and stuff like that. So yeah, actually, um, since I got out, I've well, I mean, not even since I got out. I think throughout my military career, before I enlisted, I was probably the most arrogant, oh, dumb yeah. cunt I think <laughs> I've ever met. Like I was the dumbest piece of shit. I mean, I also, I also had ADHD, half ADHD, so school was never easy for me. Right. She still isn't. But I didn't understand my dad. I didn't understand a lot of the things that I do now. Like, my dad, he, he would he would, and does uh, still expect a certain standard. Right. You know, and when I was a kid growing up, you know, be here X amount of time early because you don't want to be late and it's better to be early. <laughs> you know, having your place clean, you know, doing shit, doing your chores and taking care of your family when I'm not around. All of these things were kind of thrown on me growing up, and I didn't understand, you know, why why my dad couldn't be more like lenient with certain things, like why, like why, yeah. why was it always like this high standard? You know, stop
0: being a dick. And then dad. when I got in
1: the military, it was like, oh, because this is fucking why. <laughs> um, <laughs> since I enlisted, and then obviously since I've gotten out, uh, I would say, like, I've gotten, I've kind of learned to understand him. In a, in a much different way. I think there's um you kinda of see the the method for the madness. Like there's a reason uh for all this shit. And all the times I said my dad was an idiot and he was wrong and uh here I am today still learning things that he told me when I was a kid and I'm like, God damn it
0: Yeah. It's just still dumb Dad.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. you're so still an idiot,
0: Dad. <laughs> yeah,
1: he'll he'll get texts every now and then and I'm like, hey, so uh yeah, you were right. And he's like, oh, what about this time? And I'll have to, like, tell him, like, what, uh, what happened. And he was like, oh, weird. I feel like I've told you that before.
0: Yeah, let's not make this a thing, all right, Dad? So,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely weird being on this side of the fence.
0: Yeah, my grandfather was a kind of, so my, I got, like, a pair of dads. You know, I got a real dad. that's out in Virginia or whatever. I don't, never really talk to him. He's, you know, he showed, my, my mom passed away before I went into, the, into the Marine Corps and the guy shows up at the funeral. I'm like, hey, let's walk up there together. I'm like, yeah, no. Who the fuck are you? And, uh, then my stepfather, I don't talk to him. So my grandfather was actually my dad in my life and he was the kind of, he did the same thing for me. So it was always show up early to work and everything else before I went into the Marine Corps. Once I went into the Marine Corps, they just amplified that. Now, you know, I got to be to work at 830. I'm there at seven. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my head screwed on right. And if I'm, if I'm there at 7:30, I'm late in my head, and it's it's a mental thing with me now, and I gotta live with that. And my wife is a listen. If it takes me 12 minutes on MapQuest to drive from here to there, we don't leave until it's 12 minutes before we have to be there. Absolutely drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> drives me fucking nuts. I'm like, I hope we get a flat tire. <laughs> You're changing this shit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude. I know what you mean. Uh, so like I have like with my daughter, uh, you know, I've shared custody with her. So when I am when I'm going to pick her up, like I'm I'm usually at our drop off point because we meet uh, she lives in South Carolina and I live in Tennessee. So overall, that's about an 11 hour drive. For yeah. those of you that um, don't know shape like shapes of states, Tennessee is a very wide state. It's not a very tall state. Yeah. Uh, lucky for me. I live on the far end uh, away yes. from South Carolina, almost the far end. Um, so if you see where Nashville is, I'm above Nashville. So I have to drive into South Carolina just just after you cross the border, and then that's basically where our meetup point is. So it's about four and a half, five hours of driving, uh, plus a time change. So I have to account for both of those things. So I am usually there at our drop-off point about an hour early. Yeah. Yep. I just uh, just fucking sit there and uh, I watch TV on my phone or read. Yep. And uh, it's riveting. And it's all the military's fault.
0: Yep. And she shows up two minutes early and you're like, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> and she, I'm like, I'm here. And she's
1: like, you know you're there an hour early. I'm like, damn it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but
0: can't you be an hour early? She's like, no. Yeah, well fuck why don't i just drive an hour closer to you
1: <laughs> yeah i could but uh at that point i'm too lazy and tired
0: because then i have See, to
1: you know once i get my daughter turn around drive all the way back
0: my problem is is she would agree to that and i would leave an extra hour early for my house so i'll be a i would drive the five hours and still be there early
1: <laughs> yep that's exactly what would happen. You know, I, again, you know, it, it's the military. Like, I, I hold yep. a high standard for myself because I don't want to get there, be late, and then my daughter, who doesn't know any better, you know, she's four, yeah. I don't want to get there late, and then she's like, you know, where's dad at?
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, for me, my, my shift starts every day um, at 8.30 in the morning, and I, I have an hour commute. So when I have to go to work, I'm actually getting up at 4.30 in the morning in my house to be to work for 8.30. Because I have Mm -hmm. a whole ritual, you know. I gotta have my coffee. I gotta sit around and see what the fucking stupid tweet Trump's been putting out, and then what these lefties fucking figured out that they're gonna come up with next, and (laughs) you know, sit there, really hate myself, you know, rub one out on the floor until you have a loathing hatred
1: for yourself. (laughs) It uh, right? It really wakes you up in the morning.
0: Yeah. So that way, in case you're driving and a priest gets in front of you and everything else and doesn't put the blinker on and you start beating the shit out of them. They know why. <laughs> do you know what I've done this morning? You know what fucking hatred I've been through already? Yeah. But well, then I'm always, always, you know, the wife's always telling me, you know, you, you, know, don't wake up that early. Why are you getting up that early? Everything that we do, and, you know, even when we're taking my daughter somewhere or something, if we have to be at a birthday party for someone's friends or something, and I'm getting my four-year-old, she's got her shoes on and everything else, and my wife always usually comes out of the back room like, I still got to do my hair, my makeup. I don't know what the hell you guys are doing. I'm like, I can pretty much go to this party, have fun, come back, pick you up, bring, go back there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's move it. Why aren't you ready? Chop, chop. Let's go. Don't you have a watch? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Hawaii. Three years in Hawaii. What's one thing that stands out at your time over there for you, you know, as, you know, more of a something fun that happened so like like i said me was my first buy me drinking bar i went into in uh, okinawa Ah, uh,
1: was it the most fun thing or the most memorable thing
0: anything yeah really whatever whatever pops in your mind like if you think about your time over there <laughs>
1: all right um so depending on how uh you take this story it could either be a really good thing or a really bad thing it's totally up to you but when i think of Hawaii, uh, there is one story that sticks out to me every single time. Um, I was about to PCS to Fort Bragg, and uh, my parents, that's where they lived. Um, but when when I was a kid, I actually lived in Hawaii for about five or six years. My dad was stationed there, so I went to elementary school there. Um, strongly recommend, as or strongly don't recommend, as a side note, Hawaii schools are very behind the mainland schools. So like when I was a kid learning high addition, uh, everybody was on multiplication and division in the mainland. So when I got here, I was way behind. But um, you need to know that uh, before I can tell you this. So my parents are in Fort Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I'm in Hawaii. I've been there for two and a half, almost three years. I'm about to PCS. So um, a buddy of mine, uh, you know, my best friend, he and I, Decide to, you know, go out and just get trashed. And we did. Thoroughly. <laughs> uh, we ended up like bar hopping and then some places started closing down. So we were trying to find, you know, the last, the last place that we could go to. Well, there's one bar that is right outside the base. It's called Kimus. And the entire base knows never go to Kimus. Nothing good ever happens when you go there. We we're like, well, you guys know, obviously, yeah. all idiots.
0: Do you not know me? So, I know how to have a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, what's the worst that could happen, right? So he and I go, we end up going anyways, have a few more drinks, and um we end up, uh, we're there, we're, I think we're out till like two or three in the morning, and we finally decide to go to his place, which is, he lives off base, and it's only, I had to guess, probably five or six miles away. Uh, it's probably shorter, but you know, memory. So anyways, he and I, he and I get in the car, he's driving, and uh, I'm in the passenger seat, and we are in this, like, 2005 white Volvo. Or Volkswagen, sorry, Volkswagen. It's um it's an ugly car, but anyways. So anyways, we're driving, we're driving to his place, and it had been raining earlier, and we ended up hitting a wet patch and ended up skidding off the road and flipped down this big ass hill and hit a tree. Wow! And both of us are trashed and we're upside down when when the car finally stops flipping. The first thing that I did, the very first thing, before I'm buckling myself, before anything, you know, car is completely trashed and we're hanging upside down. The first thing that I did was pull out my phone and uh, I called my mom. All the way in North Carolina, I called my mom. And okay. I said, Mom, I've uh, been in a car wreck, and uh I, I don't know if I'm going to make it.
0: Wow. And
1: naturally, that is not something you want to hear from your son. No. Uh, it's three my time, so it's like seven or eight their time in the morning.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And,
1: uh, <laughs> you know, she... She starts freaking out and hands the phone over my dad because she can't talk. And my dad, like, walks me through some stuff. Um, he's like, hey, can you, you know, what, what's going on? So I give him the, the breakdown. And um, he kind of walks me through a, a game plan. You know, unbuckle yourself, get up to the street, and, you know, call 911, get help. So he's okay. So um, keep in mind, my buddy is next to me, and he he is about
0: 220
1: and about 6162. I
0: yep.
1: am 5'9", at the time about 150.
0: So you look at your buddy and you say, hey, stay
1: right here, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> he is, He's is a much bigger dude. Unfortunately, he is unconscious.
0: Uh,
1: uh and I, I think I was able to rouse him slightly, but he was in no condition to walk. No, at all. Uh, right. both of us have blood coming down our faces and it was, it started to rain. And of course it's like pitch black outside. Um, so I get out of the car, uh, I drag him out of the car and carry him up this hill that is wet and, uh, it's completely muddy, uh, by our tracks. And I carry him up this hill, 40, 50 feet, give or take, get him up this hill, lay him down, and then I, I call, I call the cops or call, you know, 911. They, they eventually come get us and I pass out. I don't remember anything from getting to the top of the hill to the hospital. And the next morning, uh, I wake up, and they're discharging us. Well, they're discharging me, uh, he has to say, but he's fine. Both of us are fine to this day. Uh, he ended up having to get some staples, and I got some stitches and some pain meds, and that was it. But the the kicker to this story is that when when I'm getting discharged, and they give me my phone and stuff back, which luckily didn't break, which... This is pretty lucky. Uh, I'm walking out of the hospital and I call my parents and I said, Hey guys, uh, I'm getting discharged. Uh, they said I might have some, um, you know, some memory loss and, and some, and some weakness, but other than that, I'm good to go home. Can you guys come pick me up? And, uh-huh. uh, my, my mom was like, uh, Stephen, we live in North Carolina. We don't live in Hawaii anymore. And I cried. Because I thought my parents still lived in Hawaii. So my dad was like, yeah, why don't you, uh, turn back around and see if you're definitely good to go. And, uh, I ended up staying the rest of the day. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what I think about when I think of Hawaii.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it was definitely taking your parents a while to get to you. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to call an Uber. What's (laughs) taking you so long, Ma? <laughs> yeah, so, uh,
1: yeah, so that's, that's what I think. That's, that's usually my first memory. Uh, could have died, didn't. So, yeah.
0: uh, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, some, uh, a lot of, a lot of good stories start out like that sometimes. Uh, me and my buddy, uh, we we're in Okinawa and so the island's 64 miles, um, long, 52 miles wide. So there's nothing to do but drink and go you know, to the beaches and stuff like that. So, we had this great idea. There's a spot on Okinawa that's called Motor T Point. So if anybody that's Motor T were, we were the only ones, like that was our beach. Like, you know, Motor T Gang, whatever you want to call us, that was our beach. Get the fuck out of here if you're anything else. So, you'd have to climb like huge rocks and everything else, get around them, get to the area you wanted to be at for the beach. So me and my buddy were like, you know what? We got released early on a Friday at like eleven o'clock in the morning and we decided that all we're gonna take out there for the weekend was a cooler full of liquor and our snorkeling equipment. Said, so, you know what? We're marines, we're gonna go catch our food for that we're gonna eat this weekend. Now, if you've been drinking all day on a beach and then you're snorkeling all most of the day trying to catch whatever the hell you can, you get a hell of a sunburn on your back. I was gonna and, say, I
1: don't see how this can go wrong at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And we're out there, and our top comes over, over the rock ledge, we're sitting there. We're, you know, at this point, we're almost blistering, and our backs are blistering with the sunburns, and (laughs) the only thing that our top sees, he's like, where's your guys' like sunscreen and everything else? He's like, we're like, well, everything that we have is in that cooler. (laughs) Like, we have no tent or nothing like that. (laughs) And he opens it up, and he's like, what the hell is this? We're like... Man, what the fuck? It was like uh hurricane pre hurricane pre mix stuff where all you're supposed to do is add like rum or something like that. And we we were out of uh that time it was Jack Daniels, we're out of our Jack Daniels and everything else, so our top's like, All right, why don't you guys uh you guys are coming with me? And we're like, You gotta catch us (laughs) so we go in the water and start (laughs) snorkeling So I top my tops kind of like I'm not catching nobody. I'll see you Monday, anyways. So by the time we got to back to our units and everything, we were pretty well sunburned on our back. And we were couldn't really go, and we almost got NJP'd for it. God, <laughs> yeah,
1: I can't even imagine that kind of a sunburn. I, I don't yeah. want to.
0: No, so so even that- to this day, I I don't. I'll go. I'll be that guy at the beach. And, like, I I have a dad bod, 100%, but even if I had, you know, a crazy six-pack and all this other stuff, I would still have to wear a shirt at the beach, even to this day. My my back burns instantly. Hmm. I wonder why. Yeah. I mean, I thought Hurricane was good, but... (laughs) I, uh... So, I have... Uh, I have alopecia, which
1: is um, basically an autoimmune disorder where uh, your antibodies attack your hair follicles. So um, like by the time I was four or five, I had started getting, um, like I lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes and I started losing my hair on my head. Eventually shaved my head, right? Because uh, there was like barely anything on. The first time I shaved my head, and uh, I still keep it shaved to this day. So when I went to basic, like, man, that was easy. I just got to skip the haircut because I, I was already bald. That was good to go. Um, but the first time I shaved my head, which was like the summer before uh, my freshman year of high school, I shaved it and, uh, my dad was like, Hey man, uh, just understand your head's going to be pretty sensitive. So you're going to want to like put on sunscreen frequently. (laughs) Naturally. I was like, (laughs) fuck you, dad.
0: I know know what what I'm doing.
1: This is going to be fine. Uh, it was not fine. And we ended up going to a water park and I put on sunscreen once. And we were there for about five or six hours.
0: <laughs>
1: I had a second-degree burn on my head, and let me tell you, showering was uh, the worst pain I've ever been through. Like um, I can imagine you went through similar, if not worse, pain. Showering, like just the steam alone—it's—it's it's, oh god, it's—it's it's the
0: worst, man. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't really shower. I. Uh, I think it's a waste of water. Wait, what? (laughs) I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, I got to walk myself through this. All right, so we're going baby baby white bath? All right, all right, all right, fair enough.
0: No, full-on, I take full-on showers.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, God, I I wouldn't even, like, I'm trying to think of a way, like, after you got that burn of some way you could clean yourself without, like, touching your back, and I got nothing. I think everything would hurt, like, just, like, going to bed. Would be awful.
0: So lucky for us, our, our, our doc, our corpsman or whatever you want to say for our unit, um, he was an outstanding character. He was just giving us morphine and we were just in our barracks. I think it was almost, almost two weeks straight. We were in our barracks, just kind of just laying on our, on our stomachs, you know, only getting up to take a piss and everything else and cleaning off the aloe and all the fucking other shit that we had on our backs.
1: Oh my god. I can't, I can't imagine. Like that. Dude, fuck that. Just, yeah. no. No. Like, I mean, damn. Like, yeah, your doc hooked you the fuck up. Cause, uh, yeah. fuck man. Especially if you got, so, uh, people, if you get a sunburn, make sure that you get aloe with lidocaine. Yeah. Uh, you do not want aloe without lidocaine. Just, uh, it, just a note. Cause that shit will burn.
0: If you're a tough man, just go ahead and put lime on it. I means fresh lime juice.
1: I was going to say, like, uh, if you've got lemons nearby, just have a friend of yours. Just, just rub them on, and then uh, you want yeah, some, like,
0: actually... salts, just, just,
1: just scrub it all off right away.
0: There you it'll go. Clear it up in, like, Get minutes.
1: scrubs. It'll be fine. It'll hurt for a time being, but you'll be better off for it.
0: So we had this guy um, in our unit in Okinawa. He uh, he, had, it's not like a drinking. I don't know if it's a if you would call it a drinking disorder or whatnot, but he couldn't control his bowel movements when he was drinking. Not not like because he's just too drunk. It's just he just couldn't control it. He got almost like old man dick. And this guy would be like, if we're sitting here podcasting or whatever. Out of nowhere, this guy would just pat his thighs and say, oh, shit, guys, I'm sorry. And everybody would be like, what? And he'll just turn around, and he'll look at all of us and be like, I just shit right here, dude. I'm sorry. I got shit all over me. I've paid.
1: <laughs> Damn.
0: Yeah. That sucks. So, <laughs> so the first time he did that, we were all like, dude, what the fuck, man? You need to watch your alcohol. And that is now your chair. <laughs> So it got to the point, at the point of our two-year um, enlistment out there, any time this guy would drink, we it was mandatory that he would drink on the toilet. <laughs> that's one <laughs> way to would, do it. Yeah. We said, if we're drinking tonight and we're in the barracks, you're drinking on the toilet. And that's where he would drink. Just sit there and drink on the toilet. So he wrote one day, you know, you ever hear that, that phrase... um here I sit, broken hearted, had to ship, and only farted? Yep. So he wrote one day, and I lost my shit. He goes, here I sit in stinky vapors. The man before me left me no papers. Late to cut a roll. Better not linger. Watch out, ass. Here comes my finger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man, you guys should have gotten him like, some diapers or something. They make adult diapers. We
0: didn't need to. He was already on the toilet. Oh, man. Poor little guy. <laughs> just do go that. sit in the corner. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, fun times. Um, do that shit nowadays, and uh, you try to talk to anybody about it, and out here in a civilian life, and everybody gets bent out of shape, or they don't understand it. The humor is definitely different on uh, the yeah. civilian
1: side than it is in the military. The military is just a lot of, a lot of blunt, dry humor, a lot of sarcasm. Oh, yeah. Uh <laughs> Civilian side, not so much. Uh, well, and we use fuck in every form of speech possible. Yes. Civilians, uh they don't really hear cunt very often.
0: No, no, no. That's
1: so like my favorite word.
0: <laughs> so, my like going back to my four-year-old, she picks up on things very easily, and every now and then, I I forget that. So my wife was out. She has, you know, I built her own garden in the backyard, so she can tomatoes and stuff like that my four-year-old proceeded to go up to it and hand knife a piece of weed that was in the tomato garden and yell pretty much at the top of her lungs what the fuck are you doing here (laughs) look it's a valid question (laughs) it is but here's the problem with that one my wife instantly looks at me Cause I'm outside. I'm going. Yeah, that's probably from me. And two, my wife also runs a in-home daycare. Oh man! So now she's got all these kids. I just heard my daughter, which is pretty much the oldest one in the group, just scream out, "What the fuck are you doing?"
1: Here? Damn. Huh. Yeah, yeah. You de- they're they're little sponges, man. Oh, Yeah. Definitely got to watch it around them. Like, I, yeah, and that's basically what I did. Like, as soon as I got out, yeah it was like can't really say whatever you want anymore you got to definitely watch it cuz yeah especially with kids oh man yep. i definitely watch it when i'm around here cuz especially like i'm also uh, a gamer so like i'll hop online and and play um you know games with buddies and stuff and so yep. and when things get pretty sweaty in there yeah yeah like curse words are definitely going to be flying uh oh, yeah. so you so when she's around i usually stop playing until she's like asleep or if she's with my parents or like at a daycare. Uh, yeah. But man, yeah, it's really hard sometimes cause it, you just kinda, you kinda just revert back. It's like second nature. You don't really think about it. And then you have to like go back through what you said and you're like, okay, where did I fuck up? Damn it. I can't yeah. correct myself with another curse word. Damn it.
0: Yeah. Here, here's some chocolate. Daddy never said that. <laughs> <laughs> so you get out, in two thousand sixteen. What did you think of our president at that point? You don't have to answer that if you want.
1: <laughs> I I'm gonna quote I'm gonna quote one of my favorite comedians, uh, John Mulaney. He's yeah. probably one of the funniest people I've seen in recent years. Yeah. And he said you know, like it or not, I I miss the days where I had to check the news. Or I missed the days where I didn't have to check the news or I didn't know who the president was. And oh. like like now you know yeah, everybody who the president that. is, whether you're on like the right or the left, you definitely play more, pay more close attention, attention to the news. Uh, everybody's paying attention to the news now. You, you can't escape it. And so, like I miss those days. Uh, Bush, Obama, Clinton, like I didn't have to check the news every day or like have friends right. or family tell me what was going on. Like I miss that. Now everything's all you know, polarized and stuff like that. So it sucks, but yeah, I, I definitely I, I miss the days where I didn't have to care who the president was, and it was it was more or less like now like everybody has to have an opinion on something, and it's just like I, I
0: don't wanna. <laughs> Great state of Massachusetts right now, they are trying to literally outlaw the word bitch. Good luck. Yep, that's what I was like you. So I recently been banned from Facebook for. 30-day jail, because our news station out here posted something up saying that, you know, legless legislative is trying to, you know, criminalize the word bitch, and this, that, and the other, so I put it on there, and I named the guy that started it, this whole petition to outlaw that word, and I just called him a bitch.
1: Not illegal yet.
0: Right. That's kind of my thing, but it. uh I guess we're going off topic here, but.
1: you're good man I mean Facebook's its own bag of worms
0: yeah I mean I don't really care about the Facebook thing but it's just that's the biggest thing that I have the hardest time with is actually getting out like you said and um just talking to people almost just you know I've I've been out since 2009 and I still kind of struggle with it because it's even every now and then my boss will tell me he's like hey you 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 can't fucking say that i'm like why can't i tell you to go microwave your child that's how i feel that's what i'm gonna say yeah it's uh it's definitely
1: yeah it's it's hard figuring out what you can and can't say especially getting out of the military it's its own Ah, oh, man i don't um man yeah I'm, I'm trying to figure out like i don't even know how i did it uh, you know kind of you just kind of learn through trial and error really and it's just like learning a new game you have to figure out because like in the military it's you have to learn who you can say stuff with and who you can't and like who is too high up for you to kind of bullshit with and who has a sense of humor and who doesn't and right but for the most part like your friends or or like the the ones around you they all pretty much have the same sense of humor that you do civilian world it's different everybody is is different and it uh, yeah yeah i feel you man like the first few years that i was out it was it that shit was rough man um and i think i think going back to school was one of the big things that helped me only because you know the old phrase like you are who you surround yourself with right going back to school was really good for me because you know being being in the military like I usually bullshitted with everybody, but when I wasn't, I was just kind of chilling like playing on my phone or whatever but when I was in school it was definitely it was um it was kind of awkward, so I didn't want to talk to anybody because I didn't want to offend anybody or like piss anyone off or something like that uh so I just basically was quiet most of the time, but you kind of learn what is okay through being around all the other students and the professors. Um, so you kind of learn a different way of talking and so you kind of become whoever you're surrounded yourself with. So when I was in school, it definitely helped me a a lot, uh, learning what was okay and what wasn't just based on who I was around.
0: So when you got out, how long was it before you decided to go back to school? Like what was the major, the push for you to go back to school? Was it just trying to find something with decent wages or just did you go back to school to further your medical career?
1: And that was one of the big things that made me get out of the military. The, the longer you stay in the military, you, you get to a point where you either stay in for life or you get out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of at that point because if I, if I enlisted again, it would have been for another six years. And by that point, I would have been at, you know, like 14 to 15. And, yeah, you, you, know, well that's,
0: another eight. you know, you only
1: have like five left and then you can retire at 20. Uh, now you can do an early retirement at 15, I believe, but that wasn't active at the time. So it was, it it came down to, you know, a really simple question. Was I happy where I was? And the answer was no. No, I wasn't happy mentally or emotionally and definitely not physically. You know, we have, you know, you have PT every day, but PT doesn't make you better. It's just for sustainment. Right. Um, and I wanted to lift weights and I didn't want to do cardio every single day. Yeah, it, um, I started really looking at, well, what can I do? And school, school kept popping, you know, popping up, you know, go on the GI Bill and go to school, get a degree. And, you know, you basically get to go to school and live on the GI Bill. But then I also got disability, so have disability now. Getting to go to school on the GI Bill was a great idea because it was basically, I get paid what I do now, if not more. By getting out. I get paid more months by going to school, uh, than I do now. And, uh, once I kinda, once that light bulb clicked, I was like, oh yeah, fuck this, I'm done. And, uh, I got out. And it was, initially I wanted to go to further, yeah, uh, and I was thinking about doing the medical thing. But the longer I did that, I realized my passion, the the longer I did it, the more I realized how much school you actually have to go through. Oh, this just in, um, being a doctor is really fucking hard.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Um, so the longer I went, I was like, okay, well I don't want to be a doc. So maybe, maybe I'll, I'll be a nurse or maybe I'll be a PA or, or something like that. And then that, that want kind of left and, uh, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, so I decided to just get my associates in science and then figure out what I wanted to do from there. So now I'm at a point right now I'm at a break in my school, but um, I'll be getting a degree in computer science, which, if anybody knows, uh, it's pretty safe pretty safe degree path uh, you know, for technology these days. so it's kind of where I'm at now, which is weird because you know, medic to computer science. Just don't really... You gotta make a few jumps to get from one to the other.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, you like to, uh, fix bodies, and now you're just gonna fix computers. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. One, uh... One doesn't talk back. So, that's nice.
0: Yeah, and if it doesn't listen to you, you just restart it. <laughs> <laughs> Typically what I do, I just keep fucking restarting my computer until it works again.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, did you turn it on and off again?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did this thing one time it was a hard reset. I grabbed the sledgehammer and I had it. And, uh, hey, there you go. Didn't reset though, so.
1: <laughs> that's a bummer. Try again.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, pretty much it for the show unless you got anything else to, to add or anything.
1: Um, I think the only thing that I want to say is that one of the biggest lessons that I learned uh, about getting out is that I think a lot of a lot of us, when we get out, we, you know, you lose that family that you had, and um, I mean, you, sh- you can keep in contact, and I still, the, the dude that I was in a car wreck with, I talk to him on a daily basis. He's my best friend. We don't yeah. live in the same state, but
0: the two
1: things that I think everyone should remember is that, A, like, you're not alone. And if, right. like, there are so many people, you know, men, women, whatever, uh, that have come before you and done all of this. They've they've done it. They have made all the same mistakes that you have, if not more. There are so many resources and um, and places to go, uh, hotlines to call. Like I would strongly urge, don't ever call the VA unless you want to be mad. <laughs> um, there are like other hotlines and, and other things that you can use, um, especially for benefits. Like. When I was getting out, one of my friends was, or one of my, uh, I think it was one of my leaders or my NCOs that was like, why are you getting disability? And I was like, because I'm going to fucking take back everything I can from the military. If if I can get a couple extra hundred dollars a month because of like a knee sprain when I first got in, I'm going to do that. Fuck yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, disability was a great thing. I still get disability. So that's that's my first first thing is like like you're not alone. And like there are there are people whose job it is to help Um, like there. There are so many places you can go to. But like my second piece of advice is kind of along those lines. I think especially as, you know, not only as like men, you know, men, this is definitely a big thing for guys. But definitely military is that like seeking seeking therapy or like mental health counseling is 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 kind of looked down on as like a weakness yeah. or like only, only those that are in desperate need need to to go. But therapy is probably one of the things that changed me for the better. It's, and not even like military mental health counseling. Like I see, I still see a civilian therapist and um, I don't always talk about my problems. It doesn't have to be that it's, it's nice to go to like a third party that has no stake in anything that happens and just vent or just talk about like whatever. And that was, that was the best thing that I think I've ever done. Well, one of the best things like getting back on medication was, was one of them, but therapy really helped me. Cause it's nice. You know, when you talk to friends or family, you know, they're, they're going to give you kind of a biased perspective, you know, like, for, for better or worse, you know, right. it's, but you can't go to them, If you like you can, you can go to them if you have a problem with them, but it is much, much better or I don't know, less drama, I guess. If you can go to like some random third party and just be like, look, man, I'm so sick of this motherfucker and they're just pissing me off all the time. And they're like, yeah, okay," And then they just like let you bitch and vent and then give you advice and stuff like that. And it's
0: it's really nice, man. And I agree with you on that. I mean, you know, you get out in the military, especially a, a you know, a veteran like yourself as a medic, um, and you go over to Afghan and you did some tour you did a tour and you get out, so everybody assumes that you're a big badass army medic, do anything, see anything and whatnot and so you do have to find that avenue. And you can't just talk to anybody about anything that you you know, you saw or you didn't you didn't you know, things you did, things you didn't do, anything like that, and it is definitely a struggle. There's this organization, I don't know if you're aware of them, but there's an organization out there, they're a non-profit organization. They're called, uh, Mission 22, and they're two special force guys and one infantry man, and they're, like I said, non-profit. They have their tax ID number right on their website, it's Mission 22, and They go around and just try to bring more of awareness for veteran suicide. 676 veterans committed suicide last year per the DOD report. Um, So far this year, it's 135 uh, for just up until March. Um, And I can't agree with you more on going out there and try to find your avenue and trying to help and trying to get an answer for these, you know, people that are living with things and they they can't find a way out. There's absolutely more ways around it. So if you're listening to the podcast, you know, you know Steve just said it, you know, it's hard you can't rely on family and friends because they already have a they already have an a, you know an idea of who you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be certain badassery to you. Urge you to go out there and find that third party. And just start talking to them. Mission 22, you'd call them up and, uh, you know, they'll talk to you. There's all kinds of, um, you know, you go on the internet. I think there's another one that's, uh, Veterans First. You know, you call them up anytime and, you know, you don't even have to tell them your name. And like Steve said, you know, you can sit there and you can, you can bitch about anything. You know, i driving to work today. I got stuck behind this fucking Prius and you can go on your rant and they'll just listen to you. And sometimes that's all we need is just somebody that understands. You know, what we've been through and if Nelson, and like Steve, you know, he's a medic. I'm a motor transport guy. We're both, you know, we're both vets and whatever. You know, if I deployed, we still can not really see eye to eye on a lot of things. He does something completely different than what I do. Sometimes you just have to go out there and you gotta find it, but you gotta fight, fight for it. And, uh, if you know somebody that's out there that's hurting, go ahead and call Mission 22 and, and drop a name. You know, and say, hey, you know, this guy needs somebody.
1: Yeah, same for, um, same for families. Um, I think there's, like, uh, I, um, I think there's, there's one thing that a lot of people kind of forget is that the, uh, like the families of, of veterans also go through kind of similar things. You know, when, when we deploy, you know, we're, we're doing that by ourselves, but like they are also doing it by themselves. You know, they, and then when we get home, you know, we're, ask, ask anyone that's deployed or even, even anybody that's been in the military what they were like before the military and then after. You're not oh, the yeah. same. For oh, better no. or worse, like There's- you've changed. You've gone through a lot. You've, you've seen some stuff. You've done some stuff and you've grown in, in ways that you could have never seen. But also, so has your family. They've, they've gone through a lot of stuff too. So, you know, just cause you're, just cause you're, you know, the family. Uh, of a veteran or your, you know, you're the wife or uh husband or son or daughter or, or relative. It doesn't matter. Like you also have accumulated some sort of baggage, you know, and I don't mean baggage as a, as a bad thing, but you, you have stress day in, day out. And if you don't find a way to, to rid yourself, you know, kind of be able to relax your shoulders at the end of the day and, and kick back. Uh, if you don't have a way to get rid of that, you know, it's going to eat you alive, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not even, you know, even if you get, the veteran gets back to his, his family, even after getting out, you know, there's that time to, the transition time from, uh, military into civilian life. And your significant other is sitting there, you know, weight off her shoulders, like you said, saying, oh, he's home. He can help me out. But you're in no shape of mind to be helping. And that could really, draw some uh issues there too with your family members because they're expecting to help cause now you're home and you and you can't even grasp dealing with s- civilians again
1: yeah that's true it's uh it's a big transition go- going from that especially the yeah man that's uh if i could go back in time to when i was in like middle school and high school and my dad was deployed multiple times i would punch myself right in the face so many times yeah Like my mom did so much for me when my dad wasn't around and I never, ever gave her credit for, uh, I mean, I've thanked her numerous times since, but then man, like, you know, my mom, and of course, like, of course there, there are dads that do this as well, but for me, you know, I have two younger sisters and my mom was the everything she, she worked full time. She would, would pick me up. From like soccer practice or take me to doctor's appointments. Same with my sisters. And again, like seeing everything she went through on this side, you know, my dad had four deployments, you know, for a year or longer. Like she was, she was everything. And then when my dad came back, I didn't, I didn't at the time understand why, why they fought. And like my, my parents are still married and they never got a divorce. It wasn't abusive or, or anything like that. Um, but you, you butt heads, uh, naturally because there's been a shift in how things go in the household. Um, the mom has to become the everything parent when it's co-parenting, when, when there's two people, you know, you can bounce ideas back and forth. You can rely on one person to take the load off when, when you're having a rough day or after you've come home after a full day of, of school or, or work or whatever. Um, so when my dad came back, you know he kind of just like jumped back into things where you know where things were beforehand but it wasn't like that and so there's going to be tension and neither one of my parents you know that I know of um for for them for their generation you know my parents are in their mid to late 50s now um their generation uh, and I don't know if this is for you too um their generation like going to therapy or, like, marriage counseling was looked at as, like, you're like a prostitute now, and, like, you're basically less than a human. Like, don't yeah. ever do it. You don't need weakness. Just stay together, and everything will be fine.
0: It's still kind of like that today, though. You know, you got, you know, veterans out there that need help, and they don't want to get labeled. Yeah. You know.
1: And I think that is, that is one of the things I am most excited for, and not... Not the laid off and labeled thing um, right. is that uh, we're, we're seeing a shift in in like mentality, at least in America, and I, I, I hope throughout the world where mental health is is looked at differently. It's not a sign of weakness that you want a therapist or you need to get on anxiety or depression meds or, or whatever, um, that it's unlike uh, like the cold or the flu. Right. Like it's, it's something that you get and then it goes away. Mental health is a lifelong struggle. Like you are going to wake up days and shit sucks. Like it's gray outside. And like you, you think like, man, the world would be so much better if I was just not here causing stress and, and problems for the rest of my family. Uh and then other days it's like fuck man dude I could buy the lottery and I would win right now like I don't need to wait till the night I already know I won I'm good Yeah and absolutely And now you know it's nice to see so much support now for for vets and for people that struggle with mental health that yeah, it is okay like go get help like I talk to friends about therapy all the time like I don't tell them what I've done there but like it's not looked at as a bad thing and shit, man, I am so much better for it. Just, just by going. So, uh, it's nice to see, like, that shift where, like, mental health is starting to be pushed for. And it's, it's just nice, man. I think that's all I got. I think, no, I have, I have hope for the
0: future in some sense. So yeah, there's definitely hope there for the future that, uh, you know, we can get, you know, people out there to get the right medicine and, and see the right things. And like you said earlier in the show, though, sometimes, getting away from the va um doctors and all that is a good avenue for a lot of people out there you don't have to go to the va for anything that you got or or struggling with from the military you can go anywhere else um, oh, true story you know i went to the va and uh i got a little back pain or whatever and i was you know I just going in there First time I met Tim, met my VA doctor, he uh, he flat out told me he said, "Well, what do you want to do?" I was like, "I don't know. You're the doctor. You tell me." And for about six to nine months, uh, right underneath my right shoulder blade, I was getting a lot of pain. Whether I was, you know, I couldn't sit for a long time, nor could I stand for a long time. You know, I had to keep moving, otherwise I was gonna get the pain. And every now and then, it was almost like it radiated it into my left kidney, where I wanted to throw up. And, to be sorry. clear, to be clear, it wasn't a sunburn, yeah? No, it wasn't a sunburn. So this is, <laughs> okay. this is. we're only going back maybe 2017. Like I said, I got out in 2009. And so as I'm talking to him, he goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. You're the doctor. I'm coming here for your advice. I'm not coming here for me to tell you what I want you to do. <laughs> and he goes, Okay. He's like, so what's the plan? I was like, my plan is I come in here today and you tell me how to fix this. And he goes, yeah. well, he goes, and he tells me, he goes, well, I'm the pill guy. He's like, you come see me if you want some pills. He Ugh. said, if you want, yeah, he goes, if you want um, physical therapy, I'll set you up for physical therapy. He's like, if you want the cortisone shot, I'll set you up for that. He's like, you know, what do you want? You want to go see a chiropractor? I was like, I don't know, doc, you tell me. And he's like, uh, "All right, well, I'll send you to go get X-rays, and we'll see what's going on." I was like, "Thank you, at least somewhat of an answer." So, I had to wait two and a half months for my X-ray appointment to come in. And I go there, and the lady calls my name, and you know, I'm going and I'm walking into the X-ray room at the VA hospital, and she goes, "Why are you getting so many X-rays?" I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" She goes, "He ordered twenty-seven different X-rays for you." Holy shit! Look, I wanted cancer today. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I told her. I was like, "What did he?" She's like, "Yeah, all kinds of different angles and this, that." And you know, I was like, "You know what? I'm pretty much done here." And I walked out. I said, "That's it. I'm done." And then I went back to a civilian doctor. It was a, it was pretty much like a, a pulled muscle that I had. And that's, and all I needed to do was actually just go see and get, uh, acupuncture for my back to relieve some extra fluid I had back there. So that's all I needed, but this guy was giving me 27 x-rays and which is only going to show bone anyways. And I told him it's underneath my shoulder blade. So I was like, there's no bone there. So why am I getting an x-ray there? Oh, so man. long story short, sometimes, um, going to the VA is not your best avenue. You can now. I'm not saying the VA is completely bad. They have been better at fixing a lot of the the things that people, you know, veterans were complaining about. They have got a lot better over the years. But just because you go to the VA and he tells you to drink water and take Motrin, doesn't mean that's the final answer. You can go somebody else. And Mm -hmm. I urge you to go speak to somebody else, especially if you're if you're dealing with something that you can't openly express to yourself that you're dealing with it go talk to somebody else out of the VA get away from all the veteran stuff and go talk to somebody um that's that's the, that's the final answer just you need to go talk and as steve can say it's been doing wonders for him in his life
1: oh yeah make make uh make sure you're comfortable too like i think um you know sometimes you know a, a clinic or, or or a VA place will have uh one doctor there or uh one therapist or or what what have you um if you don't feel Comfortable with them, you can get another one. Um, it's it's one thing to have a doc that knows their shit, but makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, you know that that is something because you got to understand this isn't the first like only time you're going to see them. You're probably going to see them more than once, especially if you have follow ups or um, you have to go see a specialist and then come back, or especially if it's therapy. If you're seeing a therapist, you got to see them a lot uh depending on what you want but you got to make sure that you know you feel comfortable and you feel okay talking to them yeah the first time is going to be you know, you're going to be tense it's your first time obviously but if you don't feel comfortable in their office talking to them like don't stay don't force yourself to do something that you already feel uncomfortable with doing and then adding on top of it some somebody that you just don't want to talk to
0: yeah i mean even Nowadays and in you know it's 2019. Um, Listen, anybody can start up one of these podcasts that we're doing right now for a very low cost. Maybe that's an avenue that you take to yourself. You don't have to give out your real name. You can make your podcast whatever name you want it to be. You don't have to tell anybody where you live, and you can just go on there and give out a rant. Oh yeah. And you'll find. And then you'll find out you are not the only one feeling the same, and maybe that will get you connected with other people. Then that's another avenue that you can go to as well oh man
1: another thing uh,
0: Reddit so many people <laughs> don't know about Reddit
1: uh, yeah. Reddit is probably one of the best social media places around because like oh. that is the thing anonymity like you come <laughs> up with your own username and you just log on and you like it I describe Reddit as like uh, as kind of like porn like if yeah. if you can think of it there's a subreddit for it. So like, there are vet help subreddits, there are veteran subreddits, there are army, Mil- army, navy, marines, air force subreddits, there's, there's so many Everywhere. things. But the best part about it is, nobody knows who you are unless you elect to tell them. That's right. Uh, and that is one of the best things. Is like, you know, uh, unless you want to tell somebody who you are, you can, you can find anybody there. Um, there's a, one of my favorite subreddits that, uh, I recently found out too long ago. Um, it's called, um, what is it? It's like, um, it's like mom for a minute or something. And like, stay with me. It's, it's basically like, if you really like wish that you could like talk to your mom about something, but like say she passed away a few years ago or, um, you know, you don't have a really good relationship with them. You can just. Post in there and it is probably one of the most positive places you'll ever find. Uh, yeah. like there was this, um, there was this user the other day that like just went in there and just vented about like her feelings of, about her mom recently passing away and like how lost she felt. And, uh, yeah, like there was so much, there was like so much support. So don't Absolutely. think that you have to like try and find somebody in your actual life. Yeah. Reddit's amazing.
0: Yeah. I explained it to a guy at work. I said Reddit. It's like Facebook, except Reddit is like watching, going onto Google Chrome on your phone and hitting that incognito tab, then going to Pornhub. That's what <laughs> Reddit is. <laughs> Facebook is just going on Google Chrome and going to Pornhub. I like a noob. Yeah. And it's actually, it hit it great too, because what I've noticed so far on that site is not that, you know, you don't have a homepage in a sense. You don't have a spot where anybody can go on there and really just see everything that you posted. So it's kind of like Snapchat of uh, news feeds.
1: Oh, yeah. And, like, the the voting system is so much better than, like, Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever. Like, the things that you see when you load up Reddit are only the okay. things that you want to see.
0: Yep.
1: On top of that, they're only the best things. Like, this is... Like it, the upvote downvote structure if you think of like every post as like a balloon and every upvote like every like if you will uh, adds a little helium so like that post will move up in your feet and every downvote or dislike if you will uh, moves it down and takes a little helium out so like when you see something that has thousands and thousands of upvotes that means like all of these people think this is the shit you should be looking at and then the comments are the same way so whereas like Twitter or Facebook, it's like either what it wants to show you or like what the most recent thing is. Uh, Reddit doesn't work that way. It is only the best shit is what you're gonna see. And that is why it's the best. Cause like all the toxic bullshit gets buried at the bottom. Uh, and sure. only like the best, most, like, like funniest things are gonna be at the top. And uh, it definitely changes the experience. Like, uh, I joined Reddit 3 years ago, 3 or 4 years ago. And uh man. Like it's one of those things that like when you don't have Reddit, you think that all social media is is like Facebook and Twitter. But man, yeah, Reddit can be pretty toxic in some subreddits, but for the most part, I think Reddit like is is how social media should be.
0: Absolutely. I just joined Reddit probably about 2-3 days ago, and I absolutely agree with you. I found a lot of good stuff on there already myself. And I said for, for ha-ha's, I put out there a question. Um, I asked, what is the weirdest thing you've ever used for lube? And let <laughs> me tell you, <laughs> the answers I get back from that question are phenomenal.
1: <laughs> I love that. Oh, God.
0: Dude, it's so good, man. At least go on there and get a good laugh at some, some of these questions that are out there. <laughs> Dude, seriously, you could go to like any subreddit
1: and then filter by like top of all time and just read the comments. The real content is always in the comments.
0: I just want to thank you, Steve, for coming out here and uh, giving a little story.
1: Hey, no problem, man. Uh, thanks for having me. This was, this was, uh, this was a lot of fun, man.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I look like forward it. to uh, all the other vets and stuff that, uh, that come here. And I hope that, hell shit. If, if anybody listened to this and uh, it is kind of like their highlight of the day or they were, you know they were thinking of um thinking that there was nobody else that thought the way that they do. I assure you there are
0: yeah yeah you can uh even the listeners um if you want to add anything to this show or anything like that, you can always email me at american at yahoo dot com It's all one word american Vo- vet podcast at yahoo dot com you can email me there you can leave your you know comments on the whatever podcast player you're using. Um, you can email me there again as well. Oh yeah. Uh, I guess I should do this as well. Um, yep. <laughs> I also have my own podcast,
1: which I will also be, uh, talking about what happened here on, uh, on our next episode. Uh, I have a podcast with two of my buddies, the front end tech. And so same thing. If you uh, have any questions, comments, concerns, the front end tech at Gmail and uh, we also have a Twitter. So,
0: oh yeah. wait, don't you
1: have another podcast?
0: Yeah, I'm actually in another podcast. It's, uh, Me and You podcast. That's more of a, uh, comic shit. I mean, our first episode we talked about hate fucking zombies. So it's me, a Marine vet, sits down and I'm sitting down with a, uh, re- a 22 year retired correctional officer. <laughs> so. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And we, uh, we just brought Breast onto our show. Uh, it's Gina. I don't know if she's going to come back for another one, but she said she'll do more episodes with us. We'll see. Yeah, that's Me and You podcast. Um, That's on everything as well, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart. I'm working on getting it on Pandora right now, but it's on all the major, Google, Stitcher, all that. Well, thank you again, Steve.
1: Hey, no worries, man. Thank you for having me. This this was a pleasure.
0: Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery With its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.